How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It is so good to be with you, as always. If you just stumbled upon the podcast, welcome. Super glad that you're here. Uh, Dad Tired is a ministry focused on equipping men to lead their family well. So if that's what you're about, um, trying to fall in love with Jesus, figure out what that looks like, and to help your family do the same, um, we would love to have you come be part of our little community. You can do that. You can get involved with what we're doing by going to dadtired.com and then click the community tab and that will link you over to a closed group that we have on Facebook. We've got thousands of guys from around the world who are taking this stuff seriously. We'd love to have you come be part of our little community. Dad Tired is a nonprofit ministry. We are run completely by the donations of our listeners and the guys that are part of the Dad Tired community. Uh, if you believe in what we're doing, if you if this podcast is helpful, if the conferences are helpful, if you believe in just equipping men, there's so few ministries out there that are equipping men through gospel-centered stuff. If you believe in this ministry, uh, we would love to have you contribute to it and help us continue to move forward. The best way to do that is to go to dadtired.com forward slash donate, and you can make a tax-deductible donation there. Also, if you're not part of or you haven't signed up for the cruise, um, we would love to have you come be a part of the cruise. We're doing a dad tired cruise in March of 2020. So still tons of time to uh, save up and make a deposit on that. And uh, that's for your wife. Your wife can come and your kids can even come. So we'd love to have you come be part of that cruise. Go to dadtired.com forward slash cruise. I've given you a lot of links today. Just go to dadtired.com, click around, do whatever you want to do there. We'd love to have you come be part of the community. Today I'm hanging out with uh, Jeremy Pryor, who's just such a good thinker when it comes to family and specifically what it looks like for us to be the spiritual leaders of our home and to equip men to lead their family well. Like he is just a really, really good thinker. Some of the things that he's going to say on this podcast are going to flip your thinking upside down. Uh, Even as he was sharing, you're going to hear me say, uh, or you're going to probably just be able to tell as he's talking, I'm like, like some light bulbs are going off. Like he's just totally shifting uh, my thinking when it comes to fatherhood. Really, really good stuff. This interview is going to be really helpful. It's a little longer than some of our episodes in the past, but that's just because uh, we're, we're getting into some really, really good stuff in terms of fatherhood. So I know this episode is going to be really, really encouraging to you. So without further ado, let's dive in. Jeremy, super excited to have you here today, man. For those who may not be familiar with what you're doing, maybe just tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Hey, guys. Yeah. So I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've got uh, five kids, so I'm a busy dad, Um, uh, 19 down to 10, uh, four girls and a boy. And so uh, lots of different projects working on. I own a video production company called Epiphio, so I get to do a lot of that kind of work um, with clients. I also... I'm a part of an initiative with uh, Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke, uh, me and my wife April and our kids. Uh, it's called Family Teams, familyteams.com. And so we're trying to figure out how to think about family kind of in a more biblical way uh, and also in a fresh way. What's old is fresh. Um, yeah. So that's a big project. Um, and then I also have a nonprofit um, that I work with a bunch of uh, a bunch of folks here in Cincinnati called 1000 Houses, where we're trying to figure out how do you make a disciple through the home? Um, and how does that impact or interact with the church? Um, so that's a major project that we're trying to figure out. Um, so those are some things. My wife owns a sewing studio here in a little town of Fort Thomas, just south of Cincinnati. So I get to help that. And, um, yeah, my kids are now, I got two, two adult kids in the house. And so they're 
busy starting things that I get to be a part of as well. So, um, yeah, very fractional is my life. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do you like, how do you, what, what's a Monday? What's a Tuesday? I, I sort of like carve up my week, uh, based on the various projects I'm in, but that's kind of what things look like right now. That's awesome, man. I want to dive into some of those specific stuff, but before we do, like, I'd love to just hear from you. Why, how have you become so passionate about fatherhood and biblical, uh, family and like, and kind of, tailed with that question or paired with that question um like what was your childhood growing up were you close to your dad did you have a really good example of fatherhood in your own home yeah yeah i have a great dad in fact he he, he and my mom they live in our house now um which has uh, been awesome trying to kind of experiment with multi-generational living my mother-in-law lives here too um so yeah my, my parents both grew up in the midwest but they raised me in the seattle area just south of seattle in a town called fairway washington and um, you know, the, the thing that really was challenging for me growing up was the culture of family was very, very weak. And I didn't know that. I just, you know, when you are swimming in that uh, water, you don't really notice that there's something unique about it. But now that I've lived in various places, um, I've really noticed that that that's there. There was sort of a almost uh, the, the further sort of west you go. And Jared, you probably can relate to this. Live, growing up in California, living in Portland. I think that there is sort of like a tendency to um, to really innovate, experiment, try to figure out like uh, different lifestyles. And um, and so it's difficult to there's not like a ton of rootedness like, yeah, our yeah, great, yeah. great grand, grandparents lived here. You know, that, that doesn't really exist, um, you know, where we grew up. So so I, I that, that's kind of how things were. And I just tons of divorce uh, around me just saw devastation with family. Um, and, and I just, you know, my, my parents, they're, uh, they're kind of, uh, thought about how to like really grow the family spiritually had a lot to do with centering the family around the church, um, which had a lot of huge benefits for me, but it also, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that I encountered and what I think really caused me to get super interested in the conversation around family and fatherhood was just an experience I had when I was 23 years old, single, and doing a semester abroad in Jerusalem. Um, and I just encountered a different idea of family, a different kind of family. And it sort of blew my mind. I was, I, I just noticed how much, the particular thing that really shocked me was the amount of dads and how much they wanted to spend time with their kids. Hmm. That was just not something I, I was used to seeing where I grew up. There, there being this, this really, intense multi-generational passion for their children and for their family and for their family line. Um, I, I thought that was all sort of primitive. You know, I, I read about that in the Bible and in older stories um, and in some movies, but I never imagined that a modern family or modern culture could be uh, sort of um, really infected with that idea. And so uh, being somebody who didn't really care that much about having kids, that was not a passion of mine. Again, just because I saw so much destruction. And I think a lot of folks in the West Coast, it was sort of like, why, why, why get married? You know, like, right, right, is this right. a good idea? And and their arguments, you know, even though as a Christian, I, I didn't go all the way there. I felt like they had a lot of merit. Like this seems like an experiment that has failed, you know? Right. Um, and so then kind of suddenly being immersed in a culture where there was a completely different set of ideas around family and fatherhood, it caused me to just sort of like, huh, maybe maybe you can sort of pick or decide 
what philosophy of family you think really, you know, God sort of invested in from the beginning. So that started a huge journey for me. Um, that sort of has led me to, yeah, a really passionate place about fatherhood and family uh, than, than where I started. Yeah. So you talked about kind of you at the beginning, you were talking about biblical family versus like where we are currently uh, and with the West and American culture. Like when you talk about that, your experience in Jerusalem and when you say things like biblical family model, like what are some of the key differences that you're seeing uh, Mm -hmm. in biblical family and what you were seeing firsthand in Jerusalem versus like what you see here in the States? Yeah. So the, I would say that, so the way that we grow up and I've, you know, when you talk to even Christian dads, uh, dads that grow up without a faith, um, or that don't have a faith, they have a very similar philosophy of family. Um, it's kind of hard to put into a really short, succinct way, but the, the way that I, I, I've seen it or think about it is a good family is a springboard for individual success. So, um, so the way that they're trying, like if you're a really good dad, you're going to try to think about each of your kids very individually. Like, what do they need? What do they need educationally? Uh, what do they need in terms of nurturing? Uh, and then the goal is to set them up for their future success and that they will then, you know, sort of springboard out from the family. And that's why I think the primary metaphor for our idea of family is the nest. You know, it's sort of you, you nurture the kids. It's a very maternal metaphor. Um, you provide for the kids, you nurture the children, you protect the children. Uh, and then when, as soon as they're ready, as soon as they can go out on their own, success looks like a real independence from the family. Uh, and they launch out and they can, you know, they fly away and then maybe we see each other two or three times a year, you know, maybe we live in the same town. We see each other a little more often. Um, but that's basically our idea of family. Uh, and, and I didn't know there was another idea that just, that, that is what family is. That's what a good family does. Yeah. It's totally normal. Um, but what I encountered in the middle, let me be, let me just interject for a second. Like even the thought of the more independent or independent they become, like the better we've done as parents is kind of the idea, right? Like I want you to be so autonomous and so like disconnected that I've, that's kind of shows me that I was really successful as a parent. Yeah, I totally agree. That's all that we ever know and are kind of taught subtly and very um, directly as, as people growing up in the West. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And that's not, there's a lot about that. That's good. Right. And so, one of the things that the West does really, really well is raise individuals, like figure out what you individually are good at. And we're going to have, you know, a track just for you. You know, there's going to be, you know, a team just for you that just at your level, there's going to be, you know, a tutor, there's going to be an orchestra, there's whatever it is you're good at. Like there's going to be a school, there's going to be, we're going to be able to invest in you and what you're made to do as an individual. We're really good at that. That's actually really, I think, a very positive thing. Um, and, and definitely I want my kids and I have taken advantage of that personally and with my kids, but, um, but, but anyway, it's, it's all sort of baked into this, this sort of idea that, that what a family does is it provides that springboard of individual success. Um, so that, that's, that's very different than what I encountered in the Middle East. So in the Middle East, um, both in Jewish Arab cultures and, and a lot of other cultures around the world, basically in ancient cultures, not just Eastern cultures, you'll see this in Italian families, you'll see this in, you know, a lot of uh, older cultures and old, you know, just could be going back about 100 years, you'll see a very different idea of family. Um, and you can think about it just as the classical family. And this is a this is an idea where 
the goal of the family is to create a really strong multi-generational team. Like you'll see this anywhere where survival's at stake. No family that grows up or is raising their children where they're actually afraid that they're not going to be able to provide food or they're not going to be able um, to uh, to protect themselves. They're not going to think about family the way we do. They're going to think about, well, you know, if we start to if everyone flies the nest, then we're all going to die. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, so some of this is just necessity. You don't think that way when survival is an issue. The way you have to think is you have to think multi-generationally. And you have to think like a team because who's going to care for the infants if there's a potential for starvation or a need for protection? Who's going to care for the elderly? Um, And so you cannot think this way. And uh, so it's really an an immense amount of wealth it takes to create the kind of ideas about family we have today. Um, Now, I don't think that you have to have a survival scenario to think multigenerationally about family or think about it as a multigenerational team. Um, I think that that's just the basic way that God designed family to be. And this is one of the reasons why the breakdown has been so pronounced in the West. We've basically adopted a totally different idea of family um, than the one that is in classical cultures, than the one that is assumed in every single page of the Bible. There really isn't our idea of family you won't really find in Scripture. Like there's not an example of a family that acts and lives the way that we think about family in our culture. Hmm. Uh, and so that's part of why when we say it biblical, it isn't that the Bible says thou must have a family like this. It's just that every description of family life, including the design of family uh, in Genesis 1 and then in all the way through the New Testament and in chapters like 1 Timothy 5, where the responsibilities of the families are, are enumerated from Old Testament and New Testament, it assumes that what you're building is a multi-generational team. Uh, which is an idea I didn't even know existed growing right. up. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, was kind of my, the shock that I encountered when I was in Israel. Yeah. So if it's not just necessity, so that you talked, you hit on that, like a lot, just for straight necessity, we've got to uh, operate as a team in order to survive. But if it's not just necessity, but um, God designed, uh, yes. I guess then it begs the question, why? Why yeah. did God design it like that? Why? Why would we choose to operate as a team as opposed to just um, sending our kids out uh, as individuals into the world. Yeah. And so I would start in Genesis 1. There's a mandate or a when God created the first family, he gave the family a, a job. And so one of the things the Bible adds to multi-generational team is it makes it a multi-generational team on mission. So it says you don't exist for yourself. You don't exist for your own survival. You exist to to be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule and to reign. That's what God said over the first family, Genesis 1. And so as long as you believe that mandate still exists, that there's still a Genesis 1 mandate to bring order to the created world, then the family team is still the operative sort of uh, unit or the operative structure that God designed to create that order in society, to create, to rule and to reign through. And it's clear that it's multi-generational. That's why he's there to be fruitful and multiply. And that's why throughout the Old Testament, you have this mandate constantly repeated um, after Genesis 1 that God commanded each of the patriarchs and then also in various times all the way to the exile. There's this great letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon to the end of the Old Testament to be to be to multiply. And so if you think about it, God had a job he needed done. Like, so you start with there, there was no family, right? So God had a job he needed done. He wanted 
his creatures to extend his order and his rule and his reign and his peace uh, throughout the world. That was the beginning of the story in Genesis 1. And, you know, if he would have told you or me to do that as Western people, none of us would pick family. We would all say, oh, well, you need a, like a nonprofit, right, <laughs> to do that, right, or you right. need a business to do that, or you need a government to do that. And not that any of those things are, are not good, but it's just that his, his idea was, I'm going to create a family. And through that family, I'm going to bring my order uh, and I'm going to bring my peace and my presence uh, all the way throughout the world. And so they're going to rule and reign. And so family was God's idea to uh, solve that problem. And it's an idea that, that kind of came all the way out of his nature. God is like a family. He's a, you know, he has a father, he has a son. Um, there's a kind of, there's a sort of a type of relationship and intimacy that God wants sort of at the core of what is, what is creating uh, his, his presence or this ruling and reigning that he, he mandated from Genesis 1. And that mandate then gets carried over into the New Testament. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. And, you know, theologians have properly sort of linked these two mandates. They're, they're almost identical. So you have in Genesis 1 a mandate to rule and reign and bring the presence of God throughout the earth. And in Matthew 28, the presence of God has really um, been impacted by the fall. And so through the cross, Jesus wants to bring he restates that mandate. He said he basically says, go out, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He tells that's what it means to make disciples to, to all nations. And so now the family has the mission to make disciples. Um, that's how we bring God's rule and God's reigning and God's fruitfulness and God's presence to the earth. Um, and so we have to think about how do we do that as a family? Um, and if, if obviously there's a way Jesus did that as a single man with his disciples, um, but there's now this 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 mandate on us as families to continue that Genesis one mandate through Matthew 28 to make disciples. Uh, so that's I, I believe that's really what the family is designed to do. We're a multi generational team on mission. Um, and you know, if you kind of get into one layer deeper into this conversation, you know, there's there is there are um, small pockets of of people who have taken on this idea of family. Um, um, the, the Orthodox Jewish community is one that that, that has persi persisted in this idea of, of multi-generational team, even in Western places. Uh, um, and it's incredible how much, how much easier, how much more successful they are passing their faith on. So um, there's a crisis within the Christian family right now, which is that um, because we've adopted this Western idea of family, because we think that we're building nests and we're trying to send kids off, we have right now an 80 percent, you know, is what the, the statistics are saying. We're losing our kids. Eighty percent of kids who grow up in evangelical families, they do not maintain the faith of their parents. Wow. Uh, and so this is a we're th this idea of family that we've adopted. And, and what what we say as a church is we'll love your kids more, engage your kids more. We, we, we're not asking a deep enough question. Um, you know, gospel your kids better. All those things are critically important, but we're actually, we've adopted a worldly blueprint for what the family is. And it's really eroding the foundation from which we can do all of those things. Um, and it's making it much, much less likely. Whereas in Orthodox Jewish families, they have about, um, about a 5% of their kids uh, lose their faith, but 95% success rate. And they have all these tools that really are founded in the Old Testament for building a multi-generational team. And like what, what are they doing? What are they doing different than the Christian families? 
they have they have rhythms of faith that start and are founded in the home. So if you look at the Torah, the the way that God designed uh, the annual rhythm for the Jewish people, um, it, you know, you think about something like Passover, right? Passover, if, if we're going to do any kind of worship celebration, we're going to put our kids in the minivan, we're going to go to church, we're going to have a worship service, and typically that's going to mean our kids are going to scatter, you know, all over the place. Um, but in in all of these festivals that God designed, it, they were all intergenerational, and they were in and through the home first. So it's around a table in, in a family home that you experience the gospel for the first time, right, through that through Passover. Yeah, the Sabbath yeah. is another one of those rhythms. It's incredible. When you go to Israel— um, whether they're, you know, with whether they're secular or religious Jews, it's, it's fascinating on Friday afternoon, everybody's going to their parents' house. You know, they're, they're all like, you know, they're on the bus, they're on their way they're And then it's just silence. You know, it's crazy in Jerusalem. The only thing you can hear oftentimes after the Shabbat sirens go off is fathers chanting blessings over their children. Wow. Um, you know, this kind of rich, rhythmic, spiritual life. They, they have this huge a set of tools for building a multi-generational team. I was just at a um, coffee shop yesterday, uh, and I saw a rabbi um, teaching Hebrew to a kid that would look like around 12 years old. You know, he was about to go through his bar mitzvah. Um, that, that was my assumption. I didn't get a chance to meet them. But, but this kind of investment where a rabbi will spend six months pouring into a 12-year-old to prepare him to really understand and be rooted in the faith of his forefathers and that he senses that when that what he's really a part of is not an individual activity it's really i am taking the baton of a thousand generations and it's now on me uh to continue to to live into that family story those roots are so strong what we tell kids is so shallow you know and it's there's there's not that kind of root structure. We don't tell family stories that go back generations, even when we have them. Um, and so there's there's just this sort of um, reset mentality that that certainly secular culture has has about the family that they're really we all live almost in single generation spurts. And the Christian church, even though the scriptures exclusively talk about family in these multi generational ways, um, we we don't we've not adopted the biblical sort of lens or blueprint for what the family is. And I think this has really been to our detriment. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the interview so far. Just want to take a quick second and thank my friends over at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen a reality with deliciously simple recipes. They're going to do all the meal planning, shopping, prepping. You're going to be able to focus on a healthier you and a happier family. One thing I love is that you'll spend less time meal planning each week because they're going to take care of the grocery shopping so you can get back to just being an engaged husband and father. All the meals come together in less than 30 minutes and they call for a maximum of two pots or pans which require very minimal cleanup. We love that as tired dads. Make family dinners fuss-free with HelloFresh's picky eater and kid-tested and family-approved recipes. They have three plans to choose from. You can pick a classic veggie or family plan. We're on the family plan uh, and you always have the option to switch between whenever your taste changes. 
Our favorite meal from this last week was the Tuscan sausage and pepper spaghetti. Had a little bit of kick to it, but even our kids enjoyed it. Elijah usually helps me out by making these meals with me, which always adds a cool element each week as we cook these meals together. As always, want to hook you guys up as the Dad's Hired listeners. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash tired. 80. That's the number 80. Again, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Tired80 and enter the promo code Tired80. Again, that's T-I-R-E-D-8-0. You're going to get $80 off your first month. That's like receiving eight meals for free. Huge hookup. Again, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Tired80. Enter the code Tired80 at checkout to get $80 off your first month of meals. Yeah, I just want to pause here and like take a second to really highlight the the impact of what you just said and kind of the heaviness of what you just said. So like just a quick recap, if I'm hearing you right, because it's huge stuff. Uh, 20% of our Christian kids, uh, 20% of our Christian children that come out of Christian homes are going to say, I, you know what, I believe this, I want to continue on with my faith in Christ and being part of God's mission to see the kingdom of God rule the, around the world. Uh, uh, 20%, <laughs> uh, 95% uh, of Jewish kids, Jewish children are going to say, you know what, I believe these things to be so true that I'm going to continue to, I'm going to have that baton passed to me and run on. That's a, that's a huge statistic. Like right. that's a startling statistic. 20% versus 95%. Um, and what you're saying is, uh, if I'm hearing you right, is majority of Christian children are, are kind of being told, and I, again, I'm kind of paraphrasing this back into my own interpretation, but you know, Christianity is kind of one part of a lot of different things that we do. It's one segment of my life. Uh, and so I either will choose to have that part of my now individual life or not. But I'm an individual. I get to kind of choose what my future is. And uh, 20% of the kids say, you know what, yeah, I'll choose to have Christianity a part of it. Whereas the Jewish culture, they're seeing this as a, it's not just a segmented part of their life, but their all of life kind of revolves around what they believe. And it's so deep ingrained into them and to their family and to the, into the generations that, it, I mean, it, it would really be rare for them to sit, to step out of that. Am I hearing you right on that? Yeah, I think that's a huge component and um, that, that they are rooted in the faith of their fathers. And, you know, and that's and we, we don't we don't talk about faith that we don't experience our faith that way. Right. You, our sons and daughters do not feel like what they're what they're really uh, encountering is a multi-generational uh, legacy story that is rooted in their faith. Oftentimes what they're what they're getting is, hey, you should you know, if this is from the culture and this is from the church. But what's important is that you as an individual like we don't want to put anything on you. We don't want to give any meaning or any direction or act like you're a part of a larger story. Uh, we want really for you to be, and this is really the core belief in the West. This is the core, core heresy of the West is that every individual uh, is the center of their own story. And I think that what churches have done instead of confront that lie, we have capitulated to it. And we've said, we're going to make you the center of your own faith story. And that is devastating to families. Um, that, that creates very weak families, that creates weak faith, and that makes it really difficult for us to pass on our faith to the, to the generation. So we have to, that's, that's totally unbiblical. From the very first page of Genesis, we know that we are living in a God-centered story. 
And and so we, we are nested inside of multiple bigger stories. And that's what gives life meaning. We're nested inside of this massive story, this story about who God is and how he's saving the world. We're nested inside of our own family story. And when, when God chose Abraham, he said to Abraham that I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. God's intention through picking Abraham was to was to rescue the families of the earth. And that's the, when he said that, that doesn't mean um, just my individual, even nuclear family that happens to be alive in you know, 2019. He's talking about my multi-generational family. He wants to rescue my family, my family line. That's why there's so many genealogies in the Bible. These, the, you know, most Western Christians, you know, when you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I need to be like encouraged this morning and you hit a genealogy, which they're everywhere. If you're trying to read through the Bible, you know, you just sort of roll your eyes. and You're like, how am I going to get through this boring genealogy? Yeah. Um, why, you know, why are they in there? Why did those scribes spend all the time it took to to really continue to make sure that they were preserved. But why did God, through the Holy Spirit, want us to read, you know, these pages and pages and pages of family names? Like, what's going on there? What does God believe that we don't believe? Yeah. And yeah. God believes in a multi-generational family story. He's trying to rescue our our families. And he's trying to really disciple the, the world through our families. And we have rejected that idea and said, no, we're going to adopt sort of this Western idea that the individual is is all important and that their story is the ultimate story and that any story that can possibly compete with that story, whether that be a faith story or a family story, has to become subservient to the individual. And that's why we're losing our kids. Wow. This is huge stuff. I'm just thinking, man, I have so many things flying through my mind right now, but I'm thinking through, you know, what's really popular in culture, especially in Christian culture, but really culture at large here in America is the Enneagram. I'm sure you've heard of the Enneagram test, but even just kind of all personality tests. And um, they're really, you know, Enneagram is such a great gift because it allows us to kind of figure out even more in depth of how God has individually wired us. But I'm just thinking even something like the, what you're saying, how it changes all these little facets. Like, so I would see the Enneagram and how God's, God's wired me and God's wired my wife and even my children. Uh, as a, so one way I could look at that is say like, look at how God has really gifted me and my story. And like, I'm going to use all these kind of gifts to just make a better life for myself. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas what you're saying is like, how do we look at the individual gifts, the unique gifts of each person in our family and see this as a bigger team who's part of a bigger story and a bigger mission? Like, I mean, that's just one of like billions of ways probably that everything starts to change. But man, yeah, I just, I've got so many. Well, yeah, if you think um, all those tools too, like I have a lot of friends who, you know, I've, uh, who are really invested in helping teams figure out which, you know, which using various personality tests like the Enneagram, like how do we work together as a team? We do a lot of that work um, in in my company, um, in different companies. And and to your point, I mean, what what's happening is we are team starved, especially as men. And we want to be a part of a team. That's why we love sports. That's why we want to go to work and work hard as a team. We want to be a part of a winning team. Like we're, it's in our DNA. It's, it's, we're not designed to be alone. These various personality differences are, are great because we all have very diverse functions that when brought together can do incredible things. And that's one of the funnest things to watch and see happen. Uh, but this idea has been robbed from the family. So instead of when a child is born into your family, celebrating the incredible blessing that God has just 
given our team a new member. And God only knows what is inside of this child and how they will like what 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 does it say about our team that that God has given us this child and all of their unique skills and their their unique personality and how can we function together and how can I as the coach of this team really enfold and and really lead on mission this very diverse team of people and we've taken all of that uh, all of that opportunity and we've really you know we've really deconstructed it down to how do we release all of you individuals to be great members of other teams outside of our family? Hmm. Why are we doing that? Like this was God's idea to give us a team. And we're saying, no, 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 I want my kids and I want myself and I want my wife to be wonderful members of other people's teams. Like that's the best thing we can say as a culture and as a Christ, as Christians about what, what the family is. Right. And this is, this is not an exciting idea for most men. They're like, well, okay. If, if this, this sort of, nest is going to self-destruct, you know, in the next 10 or 20 years. And I can be a part of other teams that are really accomplishing things using diverse gifts. I'm going to invest more of my time over there, you know, and that, yeah. that's, that's, that's how I felt like, but imagine what happens to men when they realize that they are the coach of a team and their, their entire team is sitting on the bench waiting for them to say, waiting for the, the coach to show up and say, guys, this is what we're doing. This, this is, and this is never going to end. Like, as long as as long as the earth persists, there's a good chance our family is going to continue to grow and thrive. And so I need to what 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 is more valuable than to cast vision for that team? What sport or what company could compete with with that opportunity that you have as a father to lead and to coach a multi-generational team to be if you're the first generation, if you're like an Abraham to be the first generation to lead this team on mission for God and his kingdom. Or if you're yeah. like Isaac, if you're, you know, if you have faithful generations before you to be the next link in that chain to lead this family on mission for the, for the kingdom of God. Um, that's what men were designed to do and be as fathers. We're, we're, we're leading family teams. And, and it just, again, we're not, we're not telling this to dads. We're just saying, Hey, love your kids more, you know, be more, be, be more active with your kids. You know, like, um, and these are good things, but, but they're all being, they're all being all these tools or ideas or, or base tips are being sort of layered on top of this nest metaphor. And we're like, why aren't dads getting it? And it's crazy. You know, go, you go to cultures in the Middle East that think about family, like a multi-generational team, and you don't have to convince men in most of those cultures to care about family or care about children. They have explosive joy when they when they have a child. Hmm. Um, it's not because they it's not because these men are 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 better at loving than Western men. In fact, you know, many of them aren't as good as Western men. It's that the idea that underlies the way they think about family is so radically different uh, that that it it causes them to identify deeply with their children and deeply with their family. And we've robbed that idea from men in the West by eclipsing it with this sort of nest um, idea family. And it just does not resonate with men. And this is, I think, why we have a crisis in fatherhood. Yeah. Jeez, man, that's so powerful. I mean, my, my wife is Persian, so we've got Middle Eastern uh, roots in our family. And you're right, man, that the, uh, the, the level of like, it's not just my child that I'm kind of raising up to be successful. There's, a, there's this way deeper sense of, this is my family line to carry in 
to carry the family baton for generations to come. Um, and it's just built into the culture. Um, yeah. this deep sense of like, uh, my kids are going to, uh, in fact, my, my, uh, Layla's grandpa was just talking about, uh, how he is, he's had kids now and grandkids and great grandkids, um, come from the middle East. And now he's got a bunch of kids who are, uh, in America and how, how he's, he was kind of making the joke, like, look at my seed, look at my generations <laughs> now infiltrating <laughs> all over. That's probably the wrong language to use, but, yeah, you, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he's really proud, right? Like his, totally. he, he sees it's his true. family growing. And, uh, I always say that guys are bored, you know, like I, I think, I think we have so many men in our churches who are bored and bored men are dangerous men. And I think that what you're saying, like, it's really hard to be bored when you see yourself as part of this bigger story. Even as you were just describing this, uh, my heart starts to get excited again as a father. Like, man, I'm part of something so huge yeah. and that God would put that calling on my life to, uh, to be part of something so big as this. It's really hard to be bored when you see yourself as a coach, part of this like multi-generational story. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I, I, you know, one of the reasons that we just, uh, keep wanting to have more children uh, other than the fact that there's just such a, a blessing and such a joy is I, I just dream about the day where I'm a really old man by God's grace. If he gives me a long life and I'm just sitting in a living room, like I just want to be in a, uh, an old comfortable chair and just watch my children and my grandchildren. If by God's grace, my great grandchildren just like fill the house. Yes. Um, but that what you're describing is even a deeper, just this, this much, much bigger story. I love what you're talking about. I, I, what I'm thinking about right now is the guy who is hearing this and uh, he's been floating down the Western uh, river, the Western idea thinking yeah. philosophies of like, you know, life. And so he's kind of floating down that track. And all of a sudden he's hearing this podcast and thinking, holy cow, there's a different way. Kind of like you were describing the first time you thought through that, like there's a different way for me to father. And there, there's, there's a bigger story at hand here. And now he just jumped off of, that raft that he's been floating down for his entire life and thinking through, okay, now I'm going to swim upstream. Uh, right. Like, where does he go from here? Like, how, how does he hear this story and where does he even start today as a father? Yeah. One thing that we've said a lot is, is if you choose to build a multi-generational team on mission as a family, instead of a collection of individuals that are springboard out of your family, a nest, um, you're going to, you're the first thing you're going to encounter is that you, you are going to go from having a very full toolbox. If you have the Western idea family to an empty toolbox, mm. if you adopt the biblical sort of blueprint, because everything in our culture is designed to build individuals, like every sports team, every church that I've been to, um, you know, every school, every neighborhood, every activity, <laughs> it's like is designed around separating the generations and, uh, and building the individual. So yeah, you have a serious, um, sort of project on your hands if you decide to flip over. And so what, what we're trying to do and part of what family teams is, is desperately trying to figure out is how do we equip, um, fathers with the toolbox? Because, because you need tools to build this kind of family. Yeah. Um, it, you can't just, you know, it's great to have an epiphany and say, Whoa, yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to have a multi-generational team on mission, but it's like that it's going to require tools. And so th that's, that's part of what we're trying to figure out is how do we take, um, a lot of the tools that have been, uh, thankfully preserved in a lot of classical cultures, um, and, and in the Bible and really begin to train up, uh, a generation of families that 
that understanding can wield these tools. Um, and so like the first tool we always talk about is the table, right? So the table is a skill. And what, what a lot of Western people talk about is, well, yeah, family's falling apart. And so it's good to eat meals uh, and dinners with, with your kids and, you know, sit around a round table and have, uh, have a discussion as, as kids. And, but again, a lot of that is still, you know, sort of investing as parents in the, in the individuals. Um, it's not quite the same thing as what you just described. What you just described, Jared, about your dream someday is to be sort of an old man with your, your, uh, children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, maybe even like around you. Um, that's actually described in detail in Psalm 128 as the good life. Like the, the mm-hmm. Psalm 128 asks, what is, what is the, what does it look like to be blessed by the Lord? And it's, it talks about, may your wife be a fruitful vine inside your house. May your children be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. And so the table and those olive shoots is, is a skill we have lost. We do not know how to stand as a grandfather before the generations and tell a story mm-hmm. to our children and our grandchildren, our great grandchildren. It all starts with how you figure out how to do table time with your three-year-old, you know, like how, what are you doing now to set the stage for, for that? And so there's a whole skill around developing meals that are multi intergenerational, uh, family meals. And so we, we encourage, uh, families to start really small, you know, one day a week, um, and do a really intentional faith filled family meal where you tell family stories. And if you got little kids and it's, you know, kind of a nightmare, you know, like stick with it, like make it super simple, you know, um, but bring that begin to develop, especially at the father, the skill of, of really, um, uh, bringing meaning into that, those table moments uh, where you tell those family stories, where you have those kind of multi-generational interactions. Like how do you even sort of, uh, how do you work with a dynamic where you're, you know, you're older, maybe your parents are there, uh, or you have like, we have in our, in our family, we started really, really simple, you know, about 16 years ago, we started doing a Sabbath dinner on Friday night. Well, it started on Saturday night and about 10 years later, we, we started doing it on Friday night and it was really super awkward for me. Like <laughs> just with my kids, I could lead a youth group of a hundred uh, students, you know, no problem. But, you know, even staying up in front of my, my family, I have five kids, you know, they're all kind of yelling and my wife's sort of like, what are you doing? You know, like, I mean, she was very supportive, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, we're trying to like, how do we manage this? I felt incredibly intimidated. I, I didn't see this growing up. I didn't know what I was doing, you know? And so, and so we, we basically try to help and walk fathers through like that stage all the way up to a stage, you know, we're getting to experience right now where my parents, you know, my wife's parents, my aunt, Judy, my sister, all of our kids, friends, like, and we, we, every week, and it's really super rich, um, this family meal. So there's a whole bunch of tools that you need to build a multi-generational team on mission that are very intuitive and normal to uh, more ancient cultures or more classical cultures. But I would say the table is probably the central hub of it. If you can start to master um, creating a, a meaningful family meal, then you are going to take a huge step towards building a multi-generational family. Hmm. Well, there's so, uh, so some bad news here is uh, 
we're like out of time and we've only scratched the surface of this. Uh, So that's the bad news. The good news is uh, you're not really leaving us high and dry because you have so much stuff already out there where you're actually helping dad. So you and Jeff have a podcast. You have two podcasts out. Um, So first tell us about the the two podcasts where you're actually giving really, really practical. I'm a listener of the podcast. I'm a subscriber. I love it. But tell the listeners the two podcasts that you guys have where you're actually giving fathers these skills to start implementing into their multi-generational families yeah so uh, five minute fatherhood um monday through friday jeff and i um we, we want to give this to you guys in like bite-sized little chunks um there's so many little insights and i also just love getting inspired on a regular basis and so um and there's so much information coming at you guys and so we decided to create these little five minute um, insights. We do a lot of, we look at a lot of these biblical ideas, a lot of these tips and tools. And so you can find that at five minute fatherhood. Uh, and then also dads building teams. That's kind of our long form where I just sit down with the dad or Jeff sits down with the dad. And we just spend, you know, an hour and a half just talking about like the whole journey of what happened when a dad sort of got a hold of this paradigm, you know, a lot of the initial stages, uh, and then what's really, working for them right now. Because again, in Western culture, this is really hard to figure out. And so, uh, so those two podcasts are, are kind of the hubs of where we have these conversations. Yeah. And they're so good. I, I mean, just as a young dad myself, I'm just like eating up as much of that content as I can. It's really, really, really helpful. Um, and then you also have a skill of fatherhood masterclass where you break things like really systematically break all this stuff down really, really well. Uh, and we actually have a promo code for the dad tired listeners is if they, if they go to the, um, skill of fatherhood.com, I think that's what it is. Am I, am I misquoting that there? I can, yeah, I think it's there. And then also familyteams.com under our resources, you yeah. can see all of our courses, but yeah, that the master class is the skill of fatherhood. There's three modules, how to train your kids. Second one is how to coach your kids. The third one is how to build a multi-generational team. So, um, so those are the three, three modules. Jeff and I spent a lot of time trying to tease out what some of these tools are. And so, yeah, I'd love for you guys to, to get in there, interact. There's great comments and, and that, um, in, inside of the course itself, um, as well as a, a workbook to help you guys work through that. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to get your feedback if you guys want to jump in there and start to learn with us in there. Yeah. Yep. And we have a promo code for the listeners. It's just if they use the promo code dad tired, uh, I think it'll give them $20 off that, um, that class too. So anyway, man, uh, I'm so grateful. I, I feel like we need like 16 more episodes, but really the guys can just go and listen to what you guys are already doing on, on these podcasts and in these classes. Cause, um, you're, you're teasing all this stuff out there too, but thank you so much, man, for spending the time to just kind of scratch the surface on this. It really is like game changer, life changing, paradigm changing stuff. So I'm so grateful that you took the time to hang out. Absolutely. Jared, thanks so much for all that you're doing and may God bless your family, man. I'm so excited about how you are getting in front of dads and really, really like firing up this conversation inside the church. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. All right, brother. Have a good rest of your week. All right. You too. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the show. Hope it was helpful for you and your journey of falling more in love with Jesus and helping your family do the same. Again, if you want to support the ministry, you can make a tax-deductible donation by going to dadtired.com forward slash donate and help us keep going. Thanks so much. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. See you.